It's the NFL preseason. Check out the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you need fantasy football rankings, we've got our rankings, we've got our sleepers at fantasyfootball.theringer.com. So come listen to Danny Kelly, Greg Horlbeck, and me, Danny Heifetz, on the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. This episode of the Ringer F1 Show is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. <laughs> Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. It is the Ring Rap One Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Kevin Clark. Checo Perez wins a chaotic, vaguely wet Singapore Grand Prix. Spanners is here. He tells me that he believes this is the best Singapore Grand Prix of all time, even though a lot of people had a bad time on the track today, Spanners. Okay, so it is a relatively low bar. And good afternoon, <laughs> Casey. And yeah, the Singapore Grand Prix isn't famed for like real wheel-to-wheel action like you might get through sector three of Silverstone. You don't get people really swapping places or going side by side through corners because it's, it's a narrow street track. There is a lot of 90 degree corners. Generally, once a move is done, it is done. It's very hard mm-hmm. to overtake. And also, traditionally, uh, it has had an eight second effect on the aero of the car in front. So if you're within eight seconds of the car in front, you can feel mm-hmm. the turbulence because the walls keep it within the track. And therefore, you're slowed down. Your aero works less well within eight seconds. So I, I haven't heard from the drivers yet, but maybe that was slightly reduced this time. Um, but yeah, it isn't a, a track renowned for cars swapping places. And I was trying to think, is this the best Singapore Grand Prix? For drama, 2017 comes a little bit close yeah. with uh, Max Verstappen getting blamed by Ferrari for taking out both of their cars. And then mm-hmm. Alonso... Alonso making one of the best starts you'll ever see on a street circuit, but then randomly getting punted out by the kerfuffle in the lead. But that was really, that was only one moment in that race. Uh, But Mm -hmm. this, I think, had a lot of intrigue. It had, um, you know, two uh, protagonists making their way through the back, the Mercedes guys causing a little bit of chaos. It had drivers just throwing themselves off track. Uh, I think, honestly, in the middle of the race, I was looking at, you know, various mediums and forums and people were starting to get, you know, a little bit bored. Uh, but it did. It came to life towards the end yeah. of the race. And I tell you what, any 90s F1 fan will have taken that. Having to see yes. faster cars really fight to try and get past cars, it's kind of artificial because it's, because, it's because primarily it's on a very boxed-in street circuit. But you yeah. know, we have gotten spoiled the last couple of years that cars can breeze by each other and fight side by side. So best mm-hmm. ever Singapore Grand Prix? Yes. Let's do it. Yes. Let's let's crown it. Let's crown it. Um, (laughs) So Checo is the first driver to win the Singapore and Monaco street races in the same year since Sebastian Vettel. I was looking that up earlier. They said that on the broadcast and they didn't give the year. I was surprised. It's 2011. 
was that year. So is that right? It's been it's been eleven years. Um, oh, although they obviously didn't have Singapore the last two years. Um, so this was, and by the way, we were recording this as Checo was meeting with the stewards. Uh, we assume he will get some sort of penalty. Having said that, he won by I believe seven seconds. So if it's a five second penalty, which most people at the end of the broadcast on the post race show uh, thought was coming, he will still win the race. If it's a ten second penalty, that that is almost a farce and and should be you know we, we should not even acknowledge it. We should not even re-record if it's a 10-second penalty because we're into uh, race-fixing territory spanners. If it's a 10-second penalty for Sergio Perez, I'm never podcasting again. It would be, <laughs> um, no, it would be unprecedented, that level yes. of penalty. We have seen a lot of drivers take liberties with, so he's being investigated for the rule that you have to be within 10 car lengths of the safety car. I believe that's what he's under investigation for. Mm -hmm. But during the safety car, he was getting very upset because the safety car was going too slowly. You can't do that. It's the job of the safety car to go slowly, and the safety car will determine how slow you go. But this is not, like, unknown. Lewis Hamilton, so many times, Lewis Hamilton has given me, given me a heart attack getting right underneath the bumper, the rear bumper of the safety car, or getting alongside. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, your mum wouldn't be very happy seeing that, <laughs> Lewis. If, he, if she saw what you're doing with that safety car, Perez doing something very similar... Uh, and again, and Hamilton has been on the cusp of or accused of letting that gap go. But I think right. when the safety car, when you know it's coming in, you effectively become the safety car. So you're thinking about the tactics. You're thinking about, right, when do I get on the power? When can I get a jump on the guys behind? I would be so surprised if there's a penalty. But as soon as they said it's being investigated after the race, I got into the mind of like Derek, the race steward. And I'm yeah. like, not, you know, oh, he's sitting there going, hmm. If Perez builds a five-second gap... Yeah, yes. I, that that, that was a, my thought. I've got a get-out-of-jail-free card. That was my thought. Is if it was a two-second, then then Derek, the race steward, um, would basically be able to... Do, would have to do something. Yeah. I'm not even sure what, the, what the, the, the late penalty is that would ensure it wouldn't change the outcome of the race. Uh, yeah, and look, I, I think it, it would be a big call, but obviously, if they don't have to make a call, i.e. they can make some kind of... Uh, warning or some kind of nominal penalty. That's always easier for the stewards. But yeah, great yes. race for Sergio great Perez. Yeah, yeah, I want to get into that because so Max has the, what Brundle calls the anti-stall. He, he says everybody anti-stalls uh, every single race. Um, uh, but Max explained, he said he just dropped the clutch and, and just didn't go. Um, yeah. And so... This was, from the start, uh, Checo's race to lose, and he took control of it and never relinquished it. What did you see? I mean, we're going to get to sort of the other characters mm. here and their misfortunes, um, but what did you see from Checo as far as just dominating this race, Manners? Yeah, so this is why, as an F1 pundit, I've worked hard to be neutral, to not have favorites, so that when a result like this comes around and I say that Sergio Perez has proved once again he's the greatest ever living <laughs> F1 driver, he is Senna and Lauda, combined incarnate you can take that you know at its face value and not go oh mm -hmm. he's just some perez fan okay that's it so 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 you you've established your neutrality that's great i have obviously i am a perez fan i've been feeling a little bit under the gun because everyone's going well you know we had this in 2020 as well. He's no better than Albon. He's no better than Gasly. Mm. Is it time to start looking around and see if there's a better yeah. replacement, we, you know, we, for Perez? We got a question from a listener named Ashley who asked, is, is this the type of result that, that quiets people's talk about the, the noise around the number two seat at Red Bull? I think alone, no. So had Albon 
nicked the odd podium, had nicked the odd win, had Gasly kind of nicked the odd win. I don't, I don't think it would have gone, no, nah, well, that's it. He's He's definitely belongs at the top level. But Sergio Perez has four race wins now, three with Red Bull, one with Force India from the back of the grid. He's got 23 mm-hmm. pro podiums. This is a, a proven top-level driver. He finds himself in a position where he's not the number one. He's not favoured. Um, I think, you know, even in this race, he took an old engine uh, for whatever reason, either because they were trying to save engines for if Max needed help later on in the season. You know, this, this wasn't him starting at the front, Max. This was Max starting from eighth place. So, uh, you know, Perez, in a, in a team where he's not being favoured, he's not giving the, the prime parts, he's not had a car being developed in his t- direction. Mm-hmm. When this opportunity comes around, and there was a few mitigating circumstances that helped him, when the opportunity comes around, he's taken it. But what I, what I will say is, this was a great battle at the front of the Singapore Grand Prix towards the end. Perez and Leclerc were both pushing to the absolute mm-hmm. limit. They were both making mistakes. They were both second-guessing themselves. And it was it was really good quality racing today. And we don't always get cars ghosting past each other. Sometimes overtaking an F1 is hard and you have to put the car ahead or behind under pressure. And they, they both did that. And ultimately, Leclerc just cracked a little and Perez was able to bring it home. All right. You said when we were talking offline, Hamilton was a bit of a disappointment. Um, he obviously crashes. He gets right back. And the ability, both Max and Lewis, their ability to uh, throw themselves off the track uh, in different scenarios, but then get right back on it in a reasonable amount of time. You and I both, you know, we do the sim sometimes. That ain't easy. Um, <laughs> and it's certainly not not easy in, the, uh, in a real car when you're going in actual traffic with actual danger. Um, so I was impressed to see both of that. Um, but Hamilton today, you know, they I saw the, the post-race comment where he was basically, basically he could have gotten a podium if he made a couple moves and he was like, eh, not really. You know, I'm like, it, there was a, it was kind of a realistic drive today. Um, what did you see from, from Lewis? Spanners? So I will preface this by saying the bar is high when you're judging Lewis Hamilton because he's statistically the greatest racing driver of all time. My bar for criticism will be higher because I've, I've been a massive Lewis Hamilton fan from day one. And I think American sports fans, you're on board with this. Like you're way more critical of your own team. Yeah. So like this isn't Lewis hate. However, this season, with him not having a you know a car fighting right up at the front, we're just starting to feel that maybe the edge is coming off, and and people will mm. hope that it's temporary. But if you look at the evidence this season, he has been scruffy when he's been experimenting, when they've been giving him experimental setups to try and get rid of the porpoising. So you could kind of forgive that and say, well, okay, he's on the edge, he's having a non-optimal setup, a non-optimal car, and and in those margins, more things are going to go wrong. But then he starts getting a car that is kind of working and he squeezes Alonso too close at, at Spa. In qualifying at Singapore, genuine chance for a pole is scruffy through Q3. And we know Lewis Hamilton, he goes for it. He is win or bin, so to speak, in, in Q3 in general. And then you come to the race today and there's a few key errors that we're just not used to seeing from Lewis Hamilton. You go, yeah, you're mm-hmm. right, Kevin. He was on fire. He did get back on it whenever there was a mistake. But qualifying aside, he had that turn one thing with with Signs. Maybe he'd have been better off tucking in behind and letting him go. Signs' move, although not illegal and not penalized by the stewards, tends to get kind of forgiven on, on lap one. 
was mm-hmm. very was very rude. Lewis Hamilton was definitely entitled to some room on that first chicane. Yeah, sure. But 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 it's not uncommon at all for cars to yeah. get to get pushed off there and, and Hamilton was able to get back on track. And I think even if Hamilton had kept the, the place, I don't think he'd have been penalized. Uh, but just just letting himself get get bullied off by signs there, that probably set him set him up for everything else that happened in the race. Are you getting worried by the increasing I want to pick yeah. the right word for this? Um, the tension rising on the radio because I think we're always sort of used to to Lewis, you know, going go, them going back and forth. But it seemed today like it reached new levels for at least for this season. So what has tended to happen with Lewis is when things are going wrong, they can can kind of crescendo. And and the situation with him saying you you need to listen to me on the tires, this has happened quite a lot where he argues with the team. And I don't, I don't think there's any inf- ill feeling with the team, but when they've obviously had a, a decision on what should we do, I think this one was between new inters and old inters, and it, it would affect the tyre warm-up. Lewis has obviously said one thing, the team has said another, and he says, well, I told you, I said to do whatever it was, and now mm-hmm. we have no grip. And whenever we see Lewis Hamilton do that, we almost get this sense that he doesn't then want to do well, because if he does well, it proves that he was wrong. <laughs> About that decision. So we kind of get this crescendo feeling as well. When things start to go wrong, they keep going wrong with Lewis Hamilton. Mm-hmm. When he's on it, when there's a challenge in front of him, when he's hunting, it's it's fantastic. But he had that mm-hmm. decision with the tyres. If he'd have got past signs and was hunting down Leclerc, I don't think he gets on the radio complaining about whether he has used or new intermediate tyres. The fact is he lost out to signs. He's suddenly stuck behind and he sees that gap starts to, to stretch away. And that's the difference between today fighting for the win and fighting for the potential podium. Okay, his teammate, speaking of Mercedes, George Russell had an absolute adventure on Sunday. I, yeah. That's the best way to put it. An absolute <laughs> yeah. adventure. Um, I just, <laughs> it was a little painful watching him, buddy. Like, that was tough. Yeah. He's, he's, he's still little. He's still little, careful. Maybe I'm getting old. I mean, he's, still, he's still a young guy, you know, and he's he is. He's the tallest guy on the grid. He's, he's a giant, yeah. But yeah. I think I said to you, um, maybe towards the beginning of the season, when he had that crash where, where Joe ended up upside down. I think yeah, that was at Silverstone, wasn't it? Yeah, that was at Silverstone. And he was just taking too many chances on the margins. Today, we saw like that times times a million. So if you're starting from the pit lane, you may as well keep rolling the dice. You may as right. well be the first guy on slicks. I, I did hear on commentary they said, oh, he's got nothing to lose. Well, nothing but, you know, a multi-million pound prototype right. single-seater car, right. Uh, right. which could affect you during the rest of the race. But yeah, he was taking risk after risk. He was very aggressive past, I believe, Bottas, like far mm. too aggressive. Poor, poor Bottas had no idea what was coming. Bottas only turned in slightly to find Russell had suddenly appeared next to him. And then I think he did a, a similar move on Michael Schumacher. Definitely George Russell's fault. Far too aggressive, closing the door. I think he was really lucky to escape a penalty there. And I think the team were discussing bringing him back in after he'd gambled onto to dry tyres, saying, uh-huh. this isn't working. You've lost like 25 seconds in two <laughs> laps. And, and he's there on the radio going, no, we may as well keep going. We may as well keep going. Straight out of the pits, he was virtually 90 degrees sliding. It was Sega yeah. Rally, Sega Rally, turn around. But he's got that very aggressive bit between his teeth. And just today, like a few occasions in the season, just just the wrong side of that line. Yeah, um, I mean, I, 
once he started in the pit lane, it wasn't, you know, in that, in those conditions, uh, it's not ideal, but yeah, it was, uh, it was quite a time. Let's go to the, the, the results here and then go through the grid. So uh-huh. obviously Checo wins, Leclerc yes, signs third, Lando and Daniel. We want to talk about McLaren here in a second, our four and five Lance Stroll with the six. Here we go. Max seventh, Vettel eighth, Lewis Hamilton ninth, Gasly 10th. Um, let's talk about McLaren. You thought they rode their luck. Um, what do you mean by that? Oh, you can't tell on me in private conversations. Oh, no, I didn't know. You gave me the notes. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get McLaren hate now. No, I think it was all on merit. No, look, um, <laughs> yes, they did ride their luck. I think, and um, there was one interesting comment from Lando Norris in qualifying, and I, I think he's he's very frank about the car's performance, the team's performance. He is trying to play down expectations for this car, and he said in qualifying, if it was wetter or drier they wouldn't have got that sixth place qualifying. They were, they were right in that sweet uh-huh. spot. So, and when then you extend that to the race, they were obviously able to maintain that. It was, it was obvious that Hamilton was pulling away. So there was that distinct gap from fourth to fifth. And it's, it's not unreasonable to then think, oh, well, maybe uh, Verstappen and, and people behind are going to come and, come and overtake. Uh, but Verstappen, who, I, who didn't get Norris in the end. Verstappen finished behind Norris in the end, right? That's right, yeah. Verstappen yep. finished behind both McLarens. Yep. So Norris held off Verstappen well, but he wouldn't have been able to hold Verstappen off, I don't think, at any other track bar Monaco, maybe Hungaro ring. Then mm-hmm. he had an absolutely blinding piece of luck with the safety car. No, no, the first piece of luck was Lewis Hamilton crashing and then coming out between him and Verstappen, which Stappen, kind of yes. gave, which just let him have that little bit of breathing space. And then I think the safety car, where everybody else pitted, and then the, he got basically a free stop, which then put him out ahead of Verstappen again. And then Verstappen had his own little drama too. So a great result. But I think, yes, they did ride their luck in qualifying and the race. But even without that quote-unquote luck, they were in for a strong points finish. But that was a great result. I completely agree. Yeah. I will say that the Lewis incident it just shows you a talent I, I know this is a basic point but it shows you how talented these guys are in the sense that like to come out in front of Verstappen after being there was water pouring onto the his wing because of, he ran into the barrels like it was unbelievable mm. to see that that particular uh maneuver I I just you know but, but yeah if uh, you great- if you or I even like had like a 40 mile an hour ding in our SUVs We'd probably park it up. We'd sit to the side. We'd take a deep breath. Cry. Maybe find cry. a, cry. Find a cry bar. for a while. I know. Yeah. But the fact that they can sit there and just like plunge their nose into a barrier and then go, find reverse, carry on, and start racing at high quality. But mind you, having said that, since they were kids, these, they've been flying into barriers, haven't they, and not caring. So, Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's it. Um, although some, some drivers take it harder than others. Uh, speaking, I just do want to mention the, the qualifying with Verstappen on Saturday, which was uh, another adventure uh, where he basically went at Red Bull. And I, I just I, I think that we need to talk about it because it kind of uh, dominated a news cycle. But yeah. I just think this is a competitive person being competitive. I, I can't I don't read too much into this stuff. So I might not have told you this, but I am quite hot headed behind a steering wheel. So, you know, when you go to like a local track you know local, sure. local cart track they sometimes they'll offer you oh do you want a gopro of your experience and uh, and i was like, oh, okay i'd never used a gopro before had no idea that it recorded audio so oh, i no. went around i went around i was going around they started the race and i had a few kind of bumps with this guy getting frustrated with him eventually he just launched it down the inside used me as a brake at 90 degrees pushed me out of the way and i just fired off like a minute long expletive 
like saying like, oh my, you know, you're the worst person in the world. I was going to salt the the lands of his ancestral farm. <laughs> and and then, and, and I didn't think about it again. And uh-huh. when I got to the end, they said, oh, your video will be ready for you. We've uploaded it to YouTube. Here's this link. And it was only two years later, I happened to look at it. And there's this YouTube link of me just having the the biggest hot-headed rant at this guy. I think it's I didn't know, I could not even imagine that. It's completely natural. And whenever I do karting or sim racing, the second there's an incident, I just explode and I just go nuts. And then 30 seconds later, you're okay. It is completely normal for somebody in that situation to be upset. You've just spent an hour trying to qualify and you don't qualify because the team miscalculated the fuel. That's unlucky. I think that's a fair reason to go off on one. All I want is for the media to treat Sonoda the same. Treat mm. Hamilton the same. Treat Alonso the same. If it's okay for Max to kick off like that, which I think it probably is, it's okay for all of them. I think the I powers that be want to broadcast some of that stuff because it is exciting. It is interesting. But I think we should just take it for what it is and go, ooh, <laughs> yep. listen to that. Not like, oh, Sonoda's now a terrible person. Right. And that, and that, the conversation changes, I think, based on the results. Like, if Lewis gives that radio message, like, three years ago when he's just dominating everybody, you're going, oh, okay. It's just, it's just a great driver making sure everybody else is great. But when things start to go south, you go, oh no, are you worried? And so I agree with you. All of these things should be treated the same. And even like Lance Stroll sometimes because he's rich and because his dad owns the team. Sometimes people (laughs) read into that stuff too much. I actually think this is a great point. It's something I've wanted to make for a long time. We should have a moratorium on reading really anything into these sort of radio messages. Just like Ignore a my point about Hamilton. And, 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 and just and like just be, just use it as entertainment, use it as access. Yeah, I mean, exactly. we had this all the time with like you know NFL coaches or yelling at somebody, whatever. And it's like this is just happens. Like I was at the New York Giants game a couple uh, days ago, and I was we were behind the Giants bench, and Brian Dable, the head coach, was just going around just screaming at everybody the whole time. And you're sitting there, <laughs> and you're going, "Well, this is normal because he makes yeah. he's in an extremely high pressure environment." Now let me ask you a question. Do you, you, you have, you, if there's a racing incident when you're in the carts, you freak out. Is this similar on the road when you just drive into a Colchester United game and you get cut off? Are you, are you complaining there? Are you, are you giving a, a, a hand signal of some sort? Uh, I'm the worst for it, honestly, Kevin. And my kids are helping me at the moment. My, my new thing is I'm trying to become a really chilled out, easygoing guy. I'm saying to myself, easy breezy spanners, easy breezy. So when, <laughs> when I get, it will basically, it's that flash to bang. It's that kind of grenade moment where you go off and I say to myself, easy breezy. It doesn't matter. In 30 seconds, you're going to feel fine. You're going to feel fine. But that, like you say, that's just on the way to the shops, you know. People don't know, Casey, that when these shows end, you explode with rage. You go, Spanish, oh, just, how dare yeah, you? What was that just, point? What, yeah, how, how dare you not bring Paris. up Latifi until minute 19? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah. think we're all prone to it. I just want everyone to be treated the same way. If we're going to use it for drama, treat it as that. High-performance mm. athletes in a dramatic situation. As long as they're not, you know, being openly racist or anything abusive right. or anything foul. If they're just kicking off at their team. That's perfectly okay. When we, when we finish this, producer Eric is going to kick off us for our mic technique. Oh, unbelievable. I, yeah. I now regret my Hamilton radio question because it's a great point. We should just treat this stuff as, as drama. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven. And your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, participating U.S. stores. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Um, do you want to bring up, do we want to talk about Latifi? I mean, this is, I, just do something out there, brother. Like, do something. I am wary that Latifi received a lot of abuse after Abu Dhabi. Yeah. yeah. So, bearing that in mind, I'm, I the don't want to sit there and like heap on and pile on. But he causes an awful lot of safety cars. And when paid drivers are bimbling around, just minding their own business or in an era where safety cars were less prevalent, then I kind of don't mind. But yeah, Latifi, he's leaving Formula One. I think he has been not of the standard pace-wise of a Formula One driver. I think that's not mm-hmm. controversial. And he's caused a lot of incidents. The one today who with, was it Joe? Who did he clatter into today? I think so, yeah. I think it might have been Joe. And it was just a, a complete lack of awareness. And he comes on the radio and goes, oh, sorry, I, I didn't see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not the defense that you think it is. It was Joe. Joe wasn't doing anything particularly crazy. He just got alongside and Latifi just acted like he wasn't there. So I I don't know if I was Williams, no offense to Latifi, I would really be tempted to like look to the future now, get Nick DeFries in. There's probably contractual things that mean you can't do that. But also I thought it was a bit of a shame that Alex Albon was in the car today because he's been through the ringer Hey, on brand there. He's been there through the ringer. He had like an appendix thing. He That went wrong. He was on a ventilator. And then he he was showing these videos of him like fighting to get back to fitness. So if mm-hmm. that was him fighting to get back to his graphics design job, I'd be like, mm-hmm. brilliant. Thank you for right. coming in and making that extra mile. But when it's something as physically challenging as this at the most physically challenging race of the year, uh-huh. it just shows how much pressure there is on these young guys to go, what if I miss another race? DeFries looks like a hero. I look like a mug. So he's fought to get back in there essentially for nothing. I wish, I wish he'd had another week off. But that's, that's probably my dad voice, isn't it? That's my inner dad voice. It's a little, a little a- dad voice. <laughs> little dad voice. Uh, I will say, 
There's a report, uh, Chris Mevlin said this earlier, that Latifi is going to get a five-place grid penalty <laughs> oh. in Japan. Um, well, okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's really going to change the, uh, that's the dynamics his, of That's ruined of his day. Canada <laughs> is up in arms. Canada's kicking off. How, how no, they could got, they? Lance Stroll got a sixth. They're fine. Latifi, yeah. Latifi's out of sight, out of mind. Lance Stroll, dynasty beginning. So um, uh, whilst you mentioned Stroll, because I know yeah. he gets it, he gets a lot of grief, and I have softened my position on Stroll in the last couple of years in that I now think that he is broadly up to standard in F1. I think genuinely, if you were a Marussia or maybe even a Haas, you might consider paying him because of the experience he has mm-hmm. to be like a number two driver, consistency, you understand the car and all of that. I still don't think he's a great driver, but in conditions like this where other people are falling over and we had like six people. No, I think we probably had eight people stick it in the wall. Oh, and no, hang on. So six retirements, two of those yeah. were Alpines with the engine issues, and then two, and then Verstappen and uh, Verstappen and Hamilton, Hamilton both also, got back yeah, on. Yes, but, yeah. and loads of other spins as well. In these conditions, Stroll tends not to do that. So if he gets a sixth place, or as he has done in the past, a podium from not mm-hmm. falling down, all power to him. Credit works to you. Uh, all right, let's do some let's do some questions here. Why is this in Roy? Why does F1 take so long to decide penalties? Is there any benefit to waiting? Uh, and then, but and they also he groups this together for the five second penalties or the cost cap violations. The cost cap violations are harder to determine than the five second penalty spinners. Where do you want to start? Let's start with what. Why does F1 take so long? Why can't F1 just say why can't we have like a replay system like we do in American <laughs> football? Even though that takes forever, but at least we get an answer in the moment. We don't say, "Hey, we're going to check out that pass yeah. interference and see if we move a 15 yards after the play." This happened. This happened in golf before at the U.S. Open, famously. Where they yeah. say, "Eh, we'll we'll figure out you know what the penalty is later." And it's like, wait a second, this impacts the competitive landscape of the entire thing. And they've got funds they could afford to hire like another person. Now, I'm completely with the, the questioner. What was the questioner's name there? The questioner's name was Roy. Roy, I'm completely with you, Roy. There are... Oh, he's got car- Canadian flags, by the way. He may have turned off after the Latifi slander. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry about that. But I placed <laughs> Stroll, surely. Yeah. But there are cart tracks and sim racing leads up and down the country with no resources whatsoever all around the world that are able to make stewarding calls it's one guy at a screen and your job is to make a call you're the referee it can be appealed and it can be appealed after the race but what's the charge the charge is uh, Perez you dropped back uh, more than 10 car lengths you look at that and you go oh, do you know what? He did do that. And that is something that's quite important to us. We would like people to stay close to the safety car. But do you know what? It was pretty close to the lights going out and we've had this incident before and we've not penalised it. Um, th- I would like this to be a warning. Please send a warning to car number 11 to, in future, please stay mm-hmm. close to. And, and let that warning, be, uh, that warning be relevant to the rest of the grid. So going mm-hmm. forward, we're now going to be a little bit... You know, it's that kind of thing. doesn't feel hard. As we're recording this an hour and a half after the race, do we know if if that win even stands? Uh, right, it, it, it's crazy, and it's also crazy that that Checo went into the the stewards forty five minutes ago, fifty minutes ago, and we still don't know. And we still we still don't know anything. Shouldn't who, nah. we, we, we just that, uh, maybe uh, honestly those meetings should be open to the public? A cricket. NFL, soccer, all those things. They have video evidence. They look at it. They make a decision. I, I think just just make a call. We have a great question. Uh, 
we got a couple of these. Uh, one of them I see right in front of me is from Micah. Uh, one of them is from Chris Joseph. Um, all right. So who do you have for fourth in the Constructors Championship between McLaren and Alpine? McLaren has 129 points after today. Alpine has 125. Mm. I, ah, so it feels like this season Alpine has felt more consistent and that McLaren has had potentially more potential. If that if mm-hmm. that makes any sense, mm-hmm. I think Alpine have two drivers performing closer to each other, McLaren not so much at the moment. But then this race kind of turns all of that on its head with Norris and Ricardo finishing fourth and fifth, and the Alpines just falling down. I, I hate to say this, Kev, but it feels like it might be the team that makes the less mistakes, the least mistakes from here to the end of the season. Oh, They're both incredible capable. cop out. Well, but who, but but they both make tons of mistakes. Who's gonna, you have to make the call, Spanish. Okay. Who's going to make the most... Okay, I tell you what. I'm going to go with Alpine because Alpine have turned up every weekend. Even when Mercedes have had good weekends, they have had like a weekend or two where they you might not even have known they were there and Mm -hmm. they've just not turned up. So for that, which team would you bet on? The way to put it, I guess, is which car would you want to be in right now? I'm going to drop you into an F1 car. I'm picking the Alpine. Alpine. What are you picking? I'm picking Alpine exactly. There's your answer. No, that I think that's that's the way to go. I think that they're 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 more consistent on a week to week basis. I'm I'm in, and also also, I don't know how this Danny Rick thing develops over the last month of the season. Is he does he does he give it a go? Does he get more detached? I don't know the answer to that. But he ha- his his his, uh, his adopted home of North America will have two of these races, <laughs> so that might you might get a boost there. That's true. Is it depends? Does he have uh, does he have a contract sorted? So if right. he's got a contract sorted, he might do the quiet quitting that we were talking about a couple of weeks back, where he kind of just phones it in, does just enough, make sure he clocks in like just a minute after it's enough hours. If he hasn't got a contract, he's basically still on an audition. Have Alpine decided? Have Mercedes decided their reserve driver? Have Williams signed the driver? So there are still seats up for grabs. He might be looking for those grandstand performances still. I have not yet seen. So if Max wins the race... I believe this is true. If Max wins the race and takes fastest lap in Japan, he clinches the driver's championship. I've seen Ooh, a couple okay. people say that. I um, thought if Leclerc would have to finish third in that scenario, but we're, we're close. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. It is that kind of thing. It's, it's well within reach. It was a stretch that would happen this weekend. And obviously Verstappen's uh, performance along with Leclerc's kind of confirmed that it wouldn't be happening this weekend. Uh, what do we expect from Japan? Like what, for the people who, who are not, have not been locked in for years, like what type of race is Japan? It is one of the, the F1 classics. So what I would highly, highly advise to everyone is get hold of any kind of F1 game, even if it's like a 10-year-old yes. one, yes. a joystick or a joypad, or whether you can get in your, your sim and do it on something like uh, iRacing or something like that, go and just experience what it's like going around Japan. Because it is, it is just an, it's a classic circuit. It's um, the only figure of eight, I think, on the Grand Prix track. Mm-hmm. So you go underneath uh, the track. It's, it's a very flowy track. So if you imagine, I think, uh, tracks like Istanbul, uh, basically, the, the the turn one, uh, the turn one, very S-y. It's got like a double S going through sector one. I think has been copied and inspired lots of layouts around the world. Uh, the Degners out of that are world famous. Where you've just got to just 
take off a little speed for that first right-hander before you go under the bridge and then break hard into the second Degna and go and search Suzuka, Daniel, Kvyat, Crash, Degna, mm. and you'll see him overcooking that and just going end over end into the hairpin. And then you've got the world-famous 130R where I, I believe that will be flat now, but cars going side by side through 130R into that final bus stop. It's, it's a glorious F1 track. As a lot, as with a lot of the European tracks, uh, um, I, I'm aware that Suzuka isn't in Europe, but you'll get my point here. Mm-hmm. As with a lot of the classic F1 European tracks, F1 cars have outgrown it a little bit, so it might be difficult to to overtake on. It is prone to a, a shower or two, so there's plenty of wet races at Suzuka. It's 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 one of the best. I'm not guaranteeing that it will be one of the most exciting races on the calendar, but it is a a fantastic and glorious track. It's great. Kvyat, by the way, is uh, running, going to run an Xfinity NASCAR race in a couple weeks, I believe. So he's, no he's way. locked in the, with America. The torpedo going to America. Yeah. Um, so he'll run, I think he's running at Charlotte uh, at some point here in the near future. So that'll be an interesting thing. Um, okay, well, this is great. Anything else you need to get off your chest? Oh, okay. Um, big Sonoda fan. However, that crash, it just looked like he was going so hot. And as much as I like to defend Sonoda, the criticisms I think are of him are that he is a bit, you know, hot-headed, that he goes into it all or nothing. And he didn't even look close to making that corner. I think it was his first lap out on slicks. And he, mm-hmm. and he just sailed straight into the barrier. And for someone who spends a lot of time trying to defend Sonoda, I think you could see it all over his face. He, he said he just said sorry straight away because he, he knew what he'd done. He knew he'd overcooked it. And it was just, it was such a shame because it... You know, he'd obviously come out of the pits, slicks, I've got some grip, I'm going to go for it. And you want that in a driver, you want that go for it attitude. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's chalked down to another another loss and you definitely want that close to signing a new contract, not close to determining if you're going to sign a new contract. So he's lucky there. All right, this show will return after Japan. Maybe it will be a Max Clinch's podcast, maybe it will not be. Thank you to Spanners. <laughs> This has been the Ringer F1 show on the Ringer Podcast Network. Thank you to Eric Cervantes for production. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.